Hey guys, Jay Stryker here, professional bass angler. Hey everybody, I'm Wesley Strand, professional bass fisherman. Hey guys, my name is Rex El Ray from Action Hat and Fish Fresh. Hi, uh, this is Luke Clausen, Bassmaster Elite Series Pro. Hey guys, this is Jim Root, writer, Smallmouth Ninja. You're listening to On the Hook with Daryl Bars. What's going on, fishing folks? Welcome to another exciting episode of On The Hook Podcast. I am your host, Daryl Bars, and we have two wonderful guests on. Now, the first guest is someone who just had a heartbreaking uh, loss, and we'll get into that a little bit more once he gets on it, but we have Brandon Lester on the show today. Now, like I say, that loss is something that is not something too serious, but it costs him quite a bit of money. But after that, we're going to be talking about building rods and why he chooses mud hole and he builds his rods on a tournament trail to help him catch more fish. Now, after Brandon, we have a guy who I've known for some time now. He actually wrote for the Fisherman's Journal magazine way back when we got it started. And he is a co-winger on the FLW side. Uh, Mike Snup will be visiting us today on the podcast. Now, with Mike, we're going to be talking about you know, the benefits of the new Marshall program with FLW, becoming a co-angler, and why he thinks it's a good idea with, with what FLW is doing. And we'll talk about sponsorships as well. And with both of our guests, Brandon and Mike, say we're talking about big fish catching lures because you know I'm trying to catch my double-digit bass, and with, I need all the help I can get. So hopefully, Brandon and Mike will give us some good information about catching that double-digit bass. But as you guys know, it is time for me to make my prediction. We are two weeks away from the 2018 Toyota Bassmaster Angler of the Year Championship on Lake Chateau in Georgia. And uh, it's pretty, pretty much a two-person race. Justin Lucas and Josh Bertrand are one and two on the leaderboard. It's pretty much their tournament to win or lose. Whoever finishes you know, high enough will get that trophy and that, that big check that they both deserve. But my pick... Um, there's no science behind it. I'm not talking about who has the better you know, track record on this lake or who fishes the best techniques that work for this lake. I'm just going by a guy who I love his boat wrap. Um, it's just a really good boat wrap, and I chose Ot Defoe. So if you ask me who's going to win the Angler of the Year Championship on Lake Chateaug, I'm going with Ot Defoe. No, Ot, don't let me down. I'm hoping that you pull it off, and my prediction is going to be golden. But guys, let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to get into the podcast with Brandon Lester coming up in a quick second. All right, let's face it. Fishing apps are popping up everywhere, but they're here to stay. I've tried my fair share of them, and along the way, I found Angler. Angler is like a combination of all of my favorite fishing tools under one roof. Angler has taken my boat electronics, weather reports, fishing logbook, and a whole community of other like-minded fishermen and placed it all inside my smartphone, tablet, and desktop for free, giving me a powerful fishing tool to record, learn, compete, and collaborate with other serious anglers. Look, Angler's not just another fishing app. It allows me to connect optional Bluetooth devices that keep me off my phone and record all the fishing information for me. I've been fishing with the Angler Bullseye for over two months now, and I've recorded all of my catches and waypoints by just clicking the Bullseye button. It's that simple to get all the fishing information I need. I just focused on fishing and Angler did the rest. The best part is that all of the information that I did record is completely private and saved securely on my Angler account. So are you ready to give it a try? Just head over to angler.com. That's A-N-G-L-R dot 100% free to join. 
100% free to use. So the other day, I was at Bass Pro Shops, and an employee informed me that my truck alarm was going off. Except it wasn't my truck alarm, it was my ArachNet security system keeping my fishing gear safe. And it's so simple to use, just drape the net around whatever you want to protect, clip on the motion detecting alarm, set it, and you're good to go. If anyone tries to take what's under the net, the alarm sounds to notify you and scare off the thief. Thankfully, I had my ArachNet system with me that day. Keep your valuables safe, protect everything under the net. You can learn more at ArachNet.net. All right, fishing folks, my first guest is professional angler, the BASS Elite Series Pro, Brandon Lester. Brandon, how's everything going with you? It's going good this morning. How are you? Well, I can't complain. You know, it's here. I'm here in Florida. It's hot. Uh, wish I was out fishing, but, you know, sitting here talking fishing with you is a, is a, a good constellation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's hot down here in Tennessee. Well, I'm actually up here in Tennessee, here in Florida, but I'm just sitting out here in my boat this morning getting ready to get some stuff ready for Lake Douglas Open next week. I know you've talked about it quite a bit, but can we discuss some things in the St. Lawrence River that went on that, you know, might be a little heartbreaking for you? <laughs> Absolutely we can. I'm all good with it. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about that six-pounder that, you know, kind of got away from you. Um, when, when something like that happens, how do you bounce back from, you know, the, for lack of better terms, devastation that happens when you lose such a big key fish like that? Yeah, it is tough. It is. And I've had a lot of people message me on Facebook, a lot of sponsors, you know, commented on that, on how I handled that. And a lot of it goes back to just my mentality. I'm not a real high strung guy. I try to stay pretty calm, pretty even keel most of the time. I've, I've just learned that in the five years that I've been on the elite series that you're better off, if, or I am, you know, I'm better off if I just kind of stay calm and do my thing and, you know, just kind of let things happen and let things roll the way they will. But that particular day, I had that number 25 pounds in my head. And I <clears throat> I just, I knew going out that morning, if I could get to 25, I would have a really good chance of winning because that would mean everybody else, I was a pound to his back and everybody else would have to catch a little over 23. And that's, and they did, but still, if I would have had 25, I would have won. And and I did late in the day, probably about one o'clock. I hooked a fish that was a legitimate five and a half to six pound fish. And and the videos on Bassmaster.com. I got the fish up beside the boat, went to reach for it, and the hook came out. Um, but I could tell the fish wasn't hooked good, and that's the only big fish that I lost all week. You know, and the way I looked at it, if that fish was there then there was another fish there. I didn't have time to, I mean, sure, I, I was discouraged a little bit because I pretty much knew with that fish that, that I would have a really good chance of winning the tournament. Um, but he came off, and it's part of fishing, and it happens. And, you know, I, 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 if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's not, it's not. And, you know, it, it's all good. I've watched that video several times, and I don't see any anywhere where I went wrong. You know, he just came off, and part of fishing. You know, I'm not going to lie. When I was watching it and I saw the video, when it comes to fishing tournaments, I've, I don't think I've ever gasped so loudly watching something like that. Because, like you say, right when you lost it, you said that might be a $100,000 fish. And I think you're right. It, it pretty much was a $100,000 fish. And, you know, I felt so bad for you when it happened that, you know, I was hoping that you'd cast out there and catch another one or, or two more just to make up for that one big loss. Because I don't know what I could have done if I was in your shoes to make anything better, I think I would have just packed it up and went home. <laughs> well, like I said, I mean, I just, I wanted to get back up there and make another drift. And 
I think on my next drift, I ended up catching a 410 and I called a, uh, a 330 with that 410. So, you know, I helped my cause. And I, like I said, it, it goes back to experience and, and my mentality and, and just knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, if I gave it everything I could, you know, I, I can live with the outcome. Yeah, it, it's uh, going to lie. I mean, I would have loved to have had that fish and it would have meant a lot to my career. But, uh, you know, losing that fish and maybe possibly gaining a few fans out of it, that means a lot to my career, too. So that was an important fish. Anyway, you look at it. Oh, definitely. When you, when you think about it, you know, you still had your third place finish. You still did yep. extremely well in the tournament. And, you know, if people didn't know who Brendan Lester was, they do now. So I think exactly. that's a big, it's, it's not the greatest thing that could have happened. You know, you could have caught that fish and won a tournament, but still, you know, seeing what happened, you didn't lose out on too much. Exactly. That's right. Always got to think positive when you're a tournament fisherman. Always. Definitely. <laughs> But I have you on today because pretty much I have a bucket list of items in the fishing industry that I want to accomplish. I want to catch a double-digit bass. I want to fish with Mark Zoner for smallmouth up north. Um, and one thing I want to do is I want to actually catch fish on rods that I built myself. Yep. And I've never built a rod, but I'm going to. Um, so I thought, who's better to actually put on a podcast and talk about rod building than someone who fishes professionally and they have to build their own rods. So I, you know, called around and you were the person that everyone said I should talk to. So my question to you is, why do you build your own rods? I get that question a lot. And I guess the, the answer that I give pretty much everybody is if you go to the store and you pick up any store-bought rod on the shelf and, and before I spot was you know hooked up with mud hole and before i started building my own rod like a lot of people i fished with a lot of different rod companies and i'm not going to say there's not some decent ones on the market but every single rod that i ever picked up on the shelf i could find something about it that i would like to change you know man i like this rod but i wish the, the handle was a little bit shorter or I'm, i like this rod but i wish it had a wind grip on it or, you know, just certain little things you didn't like the guide set up or the, the size of the guide. Certain things that I would change about that rod. And, you know, with Mudhole Custom Tackle, the MHX rod blanks that I use, they've got so many different options. And I can build a specific rod around a specific technique exactly the way I want it. And I do. I think it gives me a, a competitive edge. So how long have you been building rods? Is this something that you've been doing for a a long time since your teenage years when you first started tournament fishing or is it something you're just not getting into that you decided to do, you know, as you, you know, matured in the fishing industry? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, something that came along when I qualified for the elite series. It's sort of a funny story. Um, a guy by the name of Bob Amy who works for Mudhole, uh, is actually from the next county over. I'm from Lincoln County, Tennessee. He's from a, a town called Shelbyville, Tennessee, which is about 30 minutes from me. And he actually had a rod building shop in, in Shelbyville for many, many years. And he ran a tournament trail over here on, on the lake that I grew up on. And uh, Mudhole actually bought him out. He went to work for Mudhole. So he knew my name and he, you know, from tournaments around here. And, uh, so when I qualified for the elite series, he contacted me. Um, and, and we talked and we set the deal up with Mudhole. And they've been, of course, they've been my title sponsor every year on the elite series. It's been a, wonderful relationship and hopefully will be for many years to come but um so i you know moral to the story i've been building rods now for five years on the elite series and and i started a, a little bit before that so about five and a half or six years 
that I've been building my own rods now. Um, but it's it's a pretty cool deal, man. It really is. So your your first rod that you ever built, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the perfect rod that you built. But how did it no. turn out? Was it something that you know was something that you were proud of, or was it something that you said, you know, let me scrap this and you know try again? No, it was absolutely something I was proud of. I've still got that rod, and I don't fish with it anymore. I kind of kind of put it up as a memento, I guess you'd say. But um, it, it was only a fishable rod. I caught a lot of fish on it. But every rod you build, you know, I, I've got a friend of mine that owns a rod building company. I got him started building rods, and he's built probably well over a thousand rods at this point in his little business. And he still tells me he still learns stuff. Every single time he builds a rod, you know, it's it's sort of like anything else. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And the first rod build is probably not going to be perfect. Uh, you'll learn some little little tips and tricks every time you do one. Um, but you'll if you stick with it, you'll definitely get there. You know, people get uh, intimidated by rod building, I think. And, but I always tell people, I promise you, if you can thread a trailer up on a jig, you can build a rod. It's not that hard. It's it's really not that hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm extremely intimidated, but it's something that I want to do. So it's something that I'm going to actually invest the money in, get some quality, you know, tools to do it, and actually work on building rods instead of actually going to the store and buying, you know, this yeah. brand rod, this brand rod. I want to actually sit there and build something that's custom for me. Because I'm like you. Every rod that I've had and that I own that's right here on my wall, there's something that I could say there's something wrong with it, something I don't like. Mm-hmm. And if I could build a rod that, you know, has the, the, the taper and the action that I prefer for that particular technique, I think it'll do me so much better as I matriculate and actually get better in bass fishing. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely gives you an edge, man. I mean, I, I really do feel like it does. I mean, if, if you don't believe it, look at Bradley Roy. He's had a banner year. And he did oh, yeah. last year as well. You know, ever since he started with Mudhole, he's done exceptional. I mean, he has all his career, but I mean, I, I think he took his fishing to the next level as well. Oh, I, I can definitely agree to that. So um, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm on the mudhole.com website, and, you know, there's something called the Brandon Lester Signature Bass Fishing Turnkey Kit. You know, it has mm-hmm. your name on it. It has a MHH, MHX, excuse me, uh blank on it and you know it has everything you need from the tools you need to get started to the rod and everything is that something you recommend for someone who's starting out or should they go with something that's more i should say generic no for for somebody that's starting out that's a really really good kit at a really good price point basically what that is um the that's the m gate 43 blank is one um, which is the first rod that I ever built. That's a seven foot medium heavy, which is a fairly generic blank. You can do a lot of different things with it from worm fishing to spinnerbait fishing, a uh, lot of different things with that blank. It comes with quality components, all at a price point of around 200 bucks. And it comes with, you know, everything you need to build your first fishing rod. Uh, you know, it comes with the, the actual rod tying jig, the, uh, dryer, you know, the, the component, the thread. The epoxies, you know, everything you need to see, everything you need to, to build your own rod. So that's definitely a great way to go. So one thing that I noticed is that, you know, with this turnkey kit is, you know, 200 bucks for it and you mm-hmm. get all your components you need. Um, when it comes to the rod that you're building and the rod that you go to the, you know, Bass Pro Shops or you order online from this particular brand, there's a big price difference. 
So how can people recognize, you know, I'm building this rod blank or this rod from this blank for all the components cost 200 bucks. But retail wise, if a company was building it, how much would it cost? Like, What's the difference in the markup that people are going to be saving money building their own rods? Uh, It's sort of think of when you buy your rod building kit and all your components, think of that as an initial investment. And then every rod you build from there on out is uh is saving you money on that initial investment so the more rods you build uh you know the more money you're going to save obviously you know you you've got some upfront costs getting all your components getting you know your rod building set up and everything like that but once you get that and you and you get everything started uh you know your your rods are going to be definitely comparable in price um, you know, the, depending on how you want to build the rods, that's the thing. You can you can fancy them up as much as you want to. I mean, I've seen some stuff that will blow your mind as far as there are some excellent, excellent builders out there that do some just beautiful work. Me, personally, I mean, I build my rod. I mean, yeah, they're nice. They're nice-looking rods. They're nice to look at. You know, I put the, the green thread on them and stuff to match the MHX colors and, and stuff like that, but my rods are built for performance and use, man. They're not built to look at. I use mine. You know, they're tools in my eyes. It all the you want out of that rod, and you can doll it up as much as you want, or you can, you know, you can take the economic side and, and save yourself some money on that rod if that's what you choose to do. I'm glad you mentioned the color aspect because that's another thing that, that I should say grind my gears. And when I have this reel that I really love, and it's, you know, it's red and white or whatever off the wall color. They have this seafoam green reels now coming out with people. And then I have this rod that I really like, and it's a crankbait rod and a crankbait reel, but they're completely different colors, and I can't stand that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm one of those people that like to match and everything to look nice together. So it, another thing that gravitates me towards building my own rods is the simple fact that I can make things match the way I want them to match. So I don't have this big green rod and this bright red reel looking together that doesn't really, it's, it's ugly, so to speak. Yeah. So is that something that you pay attention to as well, that you want it to look nice to go with everything else, or are you, are you strictly looking for performance? No, I do. I play around with different colors. I've built some with blue and yellow thread because my boat wrap's got a lot of blue and yellow in it. And then, of course, the MHX, uh, black and green. I've built a lot with that. Um, you know, of course, I build all my rods with wind grips. I'm also sponsored by whale. Um, so a lot of times if, if I build a rod with an orange grip, I might put an orange thread on it. I've even built a couple of rods for, for friends of mine who are Alabama football fans. I built a a rod with a white blank and it had a crimson wind grip on it and crimson thread. Um, so, you know, you can, you can color coordinate with, you know, say you wanted to do all your flipping rods with green thread, all your cranking rods with red thread. You can coordinate different colors that way. Uh, like you said, with reels, you can coordinate it with your reels. Uh, so it's, that's definitely a, another aspect of it. That's really cool. All right, Brandon. So here's the deal. Like I, like I said, I'm trying to build, you know, a, a fleet of rods that I could use and, you know, that I can catch fish on to complete my goal. And I'm a guy who gets frustrated quite often, quite easily when I'm doing little tedious things like threading onto a rod. So I need someone like a coach, somebody who I can call and say, I need help with this or, you know, what do you do with this? Do you mind being my rod building coach? 
moving forward? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you can face that. And I'll try to do the very best I can. How's that? That sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Yeah. Right, so I'm not going to keep you. I know you're a busy man and it's you no, know, it's not quite the off season, but you have a lot of things going on. So before you go, um, one of my biggest goals is actually to catch a double digit bass. So what is your biggest bass you ever caught? Nine pounds, 13 ounces. I still have not broke the 10 pound mark. Oh, you're so close, huh? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I've caught several over nine, but I've never broke the 10 pound mark. You know, that's something when you get so close to something like that, it's always hard to get over that little hump. You have so little to go, but, you know, uh, you, you're so close. So hopefully you sometime soon you actually get that 10 pounder. You know, I'm reaching for that. I'm trying to get my 10 pounder myself. So hopefully we'll both reach that mark here soon. But we're what, in a um, good place to do it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I just got to find the right, the right pond, river, uh, whatever it is around here that there's plenty of water around that catches that holds big fish. So hopefully I'll catch one soon. But um, yep. in your own words, what is a big fish catching lure that you could recommend for me? Big fish catching lure. Man, when it comes to fishing in Florida, for sure, uh, that's where you're at. So I'm going to generalize this to Florida. My favorite way to catch them is punching matted, vege- matted vegetation. Uh, ounce and a half weight, a big seven foot nine MHX rod that I build extra heavy. Uh, X zone lures, adrenaline bug. It's a beaver style bait. Like I said, ounce and a half weight, five lot mustad hook can do just go to work. 60 pound braid. Start flipping the thickest stuff you can find. And I mean, in my eyes, there's no funner way to catch them in the state of Florida. Yeah, I, I can agree. And that's a, a good way to catch them here. Hopefully I can do something like that. You know, you mentioned that adrenaline bug. I've never fished with X zone lures before, but one lure that looks really good to me. Is that pro series of uh, the net zone? Yeah. Is that something you, yeah. you use quite often? I know you use it quite a bit in, in the St. Lawrence River, yeah. but is that, is that something that you've yeah. been using quite often? Yeah, it's an excellent bait. I just, uh, just really picked up on that Ned rig, uh, about midway through the year last year when we started going up north. Uh, Champlain was the first place where I really threw it. And man, that thing is unbelievable. I don't know oh, what yeah. they think that little thing is. But I think it, a lot of it is the way it falls. If you watch a, a little Ned rig with a little mushroom head, I throw the mustache, mush, mushroom um, Ned rig head with the grip pin on it. And if you watch the way it falls, it kind of spirals when it's falling, almost like mm-hmm. a tube. Um, and I think that really draws their attention. Looks like something dying going down to the bottom. And then when it gets down on the bottom and the way that, that Ned rig sits on the bottom, Man, they just can't resist it, especially smallmouth and, and spotted bass. But I've caught a lot of big largemouth on it, too. It's an excellent, excellent bait when it comes to just getting bites, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And how long have you been with Exxon Lures? Um, this is my second year with them. Okay, um, and I've I've helped them design a lot the pro series. Um, and we've got some really cool stuff coming down the line in the works, too. So it's been a really, really neat deal. Good deal. Well, we're going to have you back on when they come out with some new stuff so you can actually come on and talk about what you guys are doing because, like I said, I'm on the website right now and I'm looking at some of the products and they look really good. I have to yeah. order some and actually try them out myself. Yeah. Yeah, you need to try them. They're, they're really good stuff, really high quality. And we've put a lot, a lot of time into designing them and, and trying to make them different, trying to make them stand out from the competition for sure. Good deal. Well, Brandon, I do appreciate you taking some time out this morning and coming on. Um, be aware that, you know, like I said, I'm going to be extremely frustrated here in the future. <laughs> Rob building. So uh, if you get a phone call from me every now and then, please don't hate me too much. 
No, sir, I will not. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to call me. And, and anybody that has any questions about rod building, I get questions on my social media pages all the time. You can find me on Facebook, Pro Angler Brandon Lester. Um, you know, Instagram, Brandon Lester Fishing. If you have rod building questions, if I can't answer them, I guarantee you I can hook you up with somebody who can. Sounds like a plan. Well, I'm going to hold you to that as well. So, uh, All right. again, like I say, thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on the show in the near future. Okay. Thanks, Daryl. Have a good one, buddy. Hi, right, buddy. You too. All right, fishing folks, we're going to take a quick break and hear another word from our sponsors. You know, we can't do this without our sponsors. But after this short, short break, we're going to hear from Mike Schnupp. Now, Mike's going to be talking about co-anglers, uh, the new FLW decision, catching fish in the Florida heat, and all about sponsorships. So stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Aaron here from Wu Tungsten. We get asked all the time, why did we call it Wu? Tungsten. What we did is we wanted a brand that we could have some fun with. We're anglers ourselves building a brand in a community for other anglers around an amazing product. We were super tired of spending a ton of money on high-end tungsten and having it chip after just half a day. We've got some of the toughest paint in the industry, some of the best weight designs that come from some of our elite anglers to make sure that we've got one of the best products at the best prices for you. At the same time, making a brand in a community that's going to make you yell woo on and off the water. We couldn't be more proud of what we've done. We love what we're doing, and you will too. Check us out, wootungsten.com. Everyone's going crazy over the Ned Rig, but the Ned Rig is not for everyone. That is, until now. See, the new Ned EWG by Lifted Jigs gives you the power of the Ned Rig with the convenience of being weedless. And it comes in multiple colors to match your bait of choice. But that's not all that Lifted Jigs has to offer. The jigs are made with premium skirts, are hand-tied, and built with the sharpest hooks in the business. And my favorite, the 38 Swim Jig, gives an unbelievable swimming action. But don't take my word for it. Check out the new Ned EWG, the 38 Swim Jig, and all the other fish-catching lures by Lifted Jigs at LiftedJigs.com. And tell them on the hook fishing sent you. Oh, man. So this next guest, me and him go back way back when the Fishman's Journal magazine was still going on. And he used to write for us and give us insight on certain things. So um, this guy, he fishes the FLW, co-angler side of the FLW. And he has a strong take on what FLW is doing with the co-angler in the Marshall program. So we're going to have him on now. We're going to talk everything about fishing and how to be a better co-angler. Mike Schnupp is on right now. Mike, thanks for joining me today. I do appreciate it. But uh, for the people who don't know exactly who you are, can you tell them exactly uh, a bit more about who you are and as, as an angler and as a person? Yeah, my name's uh, Mike Schnupp. I fished the FLW Tour the past couple of years as a co-angler. I'm also active duty Air Force and on the Air Force uh, Bass Anglers Pro Team. I also uh, do a little bit of work for G2 Gemini. I run their pro staff. We're the biggest jersey company in the industry. And... Uh, you know, my wife and kids, and if I'm not working or fishing, I'm at the, the baseball fields or softball fields with them. Now, um, you've been fishing as a co-angler on the FLW side for quite a while, and they, you know they just changed all the rules for being a co-angler. In your own opinion, how does that affect you, and, and do you think it's a good idea for them to actually cut out the co-angler side on an FLW tour? Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, from, from a co-angler standpoint, yeah, it kind of stinks, you know, uh, because of the fact that, hey, you don't get to fish with those guys anymore. Um, I, I truly, truly enjoyed uh, definitely fishing with all those guys. I, I think, too, part of it's the camaraderie. You know, 
you get to go and, and you spend a week hanging out with your buddies in a cabin, fishing all day. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to do that, right? Uh, but but the thing is, too, is I, I think it is a really good move for FLW. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I'll get some slack for saying that, but I, I really do think it's a good move. I, I think I think what they're trying to do and everything, I think it is good. I, I think it levels the playing field. Um, you know, I've been out there uh, on tour, and like I said, I mean, there's there's guys that, that, you know, that may struggle and the coin may help them out or, you know, or, or for instance, I mean, help them out, not give them spots or waypoints, anything like that. But I'm just saying they might be using a certain bait that the fish might key in on and, and the, the boater might have just missed that uh, because they got a thousand other things going on in their mind. But the, the opposite spectrum of that is you have, you have boaters that may find a specific spot and, now instead of finding enough fish to last four days, technically they got to find enough fish to last eight days. What I mean by that is, you know, if, if they're fishing, say Kentucky Lake, a ledge tournament, you know, and they're keying on one specific area, you know, and the boater and the coating are both ripping through that school of fish. Well, now, now you just took double the amount of fish that that, that boater needs for that, you know, for that event to, to be successful. Um, and you know, it's like I said, it's not not anything knocking with the, on, on the co-angler side. It's just it's just the nature of the beast that you know. It, even if you're fun fishing, you and your buddies, you know, and you get you're going and you get into a school, you both are trying to catch as many as you can, you know, and and trying to see the biggest ones you can catch. Well, that, that's that's kind of the same situation I'm talking about. These guys are trying to catch their five best, as we all are, but not only do they have to worry about their five best, they have to worry about you after those that school as well and it's just it just makes it a little tougher on them definitely i, I agree completely you know when like you said earlier when you're at that particular level and your entry fees cost as much as their entry fees cost and you know they're the the top echelon of, of anglers in this sport they deserve the chance to actually fish to their best capabilities and sometimes that means not having another person in the boat you know catching fish that you could be catching for yourself so i, I agree completely um, but they changed the co-angler program. They made it into a marshal program now where you could sit on a boat and, you know, do things that a marshal would do where you're not actually fishing. Do you think, based off of your experience being a co-angler, that the marshal program is a good substitute for being a co-angler? Or? I, I think it is. And, and here, here's my reasoning behind it. Is, is I do think it's a really good opportunity. Um, you know, as, as a marshal, you get to kind of – it's just my take, again. Um, as a marshal, you get to sit back and just really, you know, I mean, yeah, as, as a competitor and a fisher, it's going to kind of stink because you're sitting there and you're like, oh man, you know, I really want to be out there. I really want to be catching them. You know, I really want to, uh, be, be, be in there doing that. But at the same time, you can sit back a little bit more and, and relax and truly see what they're doing. And, and you have more time to, to, you know, break it down in your own mind, like, okay, hey, he's fishing in 10 feet of water, you know, he's still in this bait, you know, that seems to be the bait, you know, the fish are hitting at maybe six feet, he's taking it from 10 and, and, you know, or vice versa, excuse me, so if he's fishing, you know, he's catching them in six, dragging them to 10, you know, whatever it may be, the situation, you're able to see it unfold a lot more versus trying to do your own thing, you know, when you're, when you're in the back of the boat, you know, some guys say, Hey, it's like fishing your own tournament back there. You're, you're just, you're doing your own thing. And that's, that's truly what you're doing. You're just trying to, 
trying to do what you can to, you know, to get, you know, to get your fish. You're not really necessarily worried about what the bird's doing, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're, you still got a whole lot of chaos going on. And with the Marshall program, you get to see it a lot more. And I mean, you know, the other thing is too, is you got a lot of, a lot of local guys that are going to do the Marshall program because they want to see if maybe, uh, you know, these, these anglers figured out some stuff that they maybe have never even seen on that lake before, you know? So I, I, like I said, I think it's a good program. They, they have, I think they have special incentives, uh, for, for the marshalling program as well right now. So I think that's a, I think it's a good program. I mean, like I said, some people still be upset because they can't fish the tour as a co-angler. Like I said, I, I mean, yes, I'm a little upset, but I understand it and I respect the decision. Yeah, and a lot of it's about learning and, you know, as a co-angler or a marshal, just becoming a better angler and, and taking in what they're doing to, you know, you, you can use it yourself. And I don't know if you actually want to make a career out of fishing professionally and I know you're active military, but what do you think you have to do and anglers as a whole have to do to actually take take it to that next level? You know, you have your co-anglers, you have your, your BFLs and your smaller tournaments, but what should anglers be looking for to, to improve on, to make, take their careers to the next level? Um, I mean, consistency, consistency. I mean, it's hard for a co-angler to be consistent. I mean, there's several anglers, co-anglers that have made really, really good careers out of, out of just, just doing the co-angler thing. And they were very successful and they're still, even with the tour going away, they're still going to be very successful in the, the Costas and the BFLs. And some of them that have no desire to go to the front. Um, but I think, I think too, there, I think there's a few things that, you know, are key. Number one, by far, I would say is, is sponsorship. You know, you, you have to be able to get those, you know, those big time deals to, to, to afford to go out there and, and do this. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not cheap, you know, uh, that, that's for sure. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I feel, you know, you have to be versatile. Um, definitely be versatile. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys that, you know, may fish deep clear water lakes and, and, you know, there's certain events that, well, you don't get to fish, fish deep. If you do, you're, you're going to, you're going to get your teeth kicked in because, you know, it's just, it's just that time of year and they're up, they're up shallow and you, you have to understand that and you have to be able to transition, you know, understand the water and be able to break it down. I think that is key. And, and knowing your electronics, I mean, you have to know your electronics. I mean, look at, if you look at some guys, I'll just use Mark Rose, for instance. I, I know Mark, you know, he fishes the tour. He just won the angler of the year. Okay. Last year he won back to back tournaments. Mark will tell you, Hey, look, I'm not a computer savvy guy at all. You know, I'm not really, that's not me, but you know, he's telling me a story. I said, I asked him, I said, Mark, how, how do you get so good with your electronics? He said, well, Mike, look, all these other guys are, are getting better and better with their electronics. So I literally took, the book and ran it, you know, read it from front to back. And I just sat there and just messed with them, went on the water and just so I could get a better understanding of how they worked. And I mean, you know, that, that, that's, that's a big part of it too. You know, it's, it's understanding your life, being versatile and, and, uh, you know, of course the sponsorship deal. You know, when it comes to sponsorships, that's a touchy situation because a lot of people, a lot of companies, I should say, they, they throw pro staff deals, you know, out to the masses left and right. And you say you, you, you run the pro staff for G2 Gemini. So, you know, what do you look for if somebody puts in an application to be a pro staffer for G2 Gemini? What are you looking for to 
um, say I would consider including him in our pro staff? So, um, I mean, that's a really good question. I think, you know, every pro staff is run a little bit differently. They're very similar, but I think they're run differently. What I look for is I look for somebody who's going to, who's going to help promote the company, who help who grow their brand. But at the same time, you know, I, I look at it as a relationship, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, if, if we got, we, if we got somebody, you know, that's, hey, that's helping us out, you know, what I, what I like to do too is we, we like to try to help them out, you know, if it, we, meaning for instance, if, you know, hey, they post a picture, they're tagging us in the picture, they're doing whatever, whatever it is that we're asking of them. You know, we, we, we try to help promote them well and we use their, their stuff for our social media. We, we, we tend to, you know what I'm saying? It's just a, it's a working relationship. You know, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately there are a lot of, uh, companies, there's a lot of sponsorship deals where people, guys will be like, Oh, I'll do this, this, and this for you. And you never get it out of it. You know, um, it has to be a good, it has to be a good mutual respect and mutual relationship. You know, you, you, like I said, you have to both be able to get something out of it because if you're not both getting something out of it, then you're, you're kind of not, it, it's just not, it's not working. That makes sense. You know? Um, yeah. so uh, that's all. I mean, I just want somebody who's, who's, you know, going to help work for us and we're going to help work for them. You know, we're, we're going to do our best to promote them and, you know, as well. Uh, like I said, it has to be a mutual thing. Good deal. Now, final section, I know you're busy, so I'm not going to keep you too long. But it is the dog days of summer. It's hot as I don't know what outside in a lot of places, especially here in Florida, because I know you're here in Florida, too. What are you doing to catch fish right now? Right now, to be honest, um, I'm doing two, two, two to three things right now. Um, you know, of course, you know, it doesn't matter how hot it gets. The fish are going to be up shallow. Um, they're just it's just, you know, they're going to be up there. I try to get a, a, a early bite in the morning. I like to throw a, a, a striking sexy frog, you know, or maybe the, the perch, you know, just, just to try to get a reaction bite up shallow, whether they're cruising, trying to, you know, feed early in the morning, um, you know, try to get those bigger bites in the morning. And then what I do is to be honest, I, I, man, I, I graph a whole lot. Um, it's a deeper, I've been fishing a lot at Butler chain and just, you know, keying in on some stuff on my, my Lorance. I got the carbon 12s on there. I mean, those things are amazing and they help out a ton. And, you know, I'll, I'll fish a little area and, you know, I, I, and I'll go and once the bite stops, I'll move and graph to another area. Just see the differences in the lake, you know, trying to find those offshore humps. And, and right now I've been throwing a, a, a Nico rig. So I, I've been throwing a, a striking no-cho and just put a little nail weight at the end and, and, and throwing it. Yes, I know people are going to laugh at me for this, but throwing it on a spinning rod in Florida, you know, that's what you got to do to get them to bite right now. And uh, I'm sure there are other ways to catch them, but for, for right now, for me, that that's been, that's been the best thing that's been working for me. Um, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because people tend to shy away from a spinning ride. And I ask pro, pro anglers all the time, you know, what's to deal with, you know, bass anglers and, and spinning rods. So for you, why do you think people shy away or, or laugh at somebody, you know, tossing a lure on a spinning rod? Um, so, so here, here's my take on it, right? We'll, we'll just go back to the Forestwood Cup, right? Uh, Clint, mm-hmm. Clint Davis, who's, uh, you know, he was in 10th place, right? He came from 10th place all the way to first. You know, he, his, his remarks on, 
you know, day three in the afternoon going into, you know, at night, you know, talking about going into day four. I said, look, I ain't busting out the spinning rod today. I'm, I'm going big. You know, this mm-hmm. spinning rod can catch big fish. However, you know, your bigger baits, your big worms, your jigs, you know, stuff like that you're not going to throw in a spinning rod, you know, they're, they're getting those bigger bites. You know, you might not get as many, but you're going to get, you're going to get, uh, you know, the, the bigger bites, if, you know, if you're throwing the right stuff, obviously. And he was, and, it, and that, that forced him to get the bigger bites. I think sometimes, you know, it calls for it. You know, if, if I know it's going to be a tough tournament, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll bust out the spinning rod and, and get a quick limit, you know, and then, then I try to, try to upgrade. You know, some guys, it, you know, it just depends. If you're going for the win or, 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 you know, and just, you know, all in or nothing, then, you know, yeah, you know, throw, throw that, that, throw that bait caster all day long, you know, throw those bigger baits. But I guess it just depends on the angler and the approach they take at the tournament, you know, um, sometimes it just calls for it. You know, you could be out there and, you know, about to make the top 20 cut, but you just need one more keeper fish and, or top 30 now. And, and, you know, you just need that one more bite to get that, that fish. And I might pick up a spinner rod and throw it out there and just, you know, get that little squeaker in there and, you know, then I can calm down a little bit and then I can work on upgrading. So it just, it just depends on the person, I believe. All right. Final question. I'm going to let you go. One of my goals for 2018 or whenever it happens is to catch a double digit bass. I haven't done that just yet. If you had to say one lure that you can give me that is a, a big fish catcher, doesn't doesn't matter what the technique is, what time of year, just one lure that's a big fish catcher, what would it be? Oh man, that's that's tough there. Um well my, if you ask my son, he'd tell you Jake. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean jigs, I mean, you know, I think it, I think that's what I might have to go to as well. You know, maybe I, oh man, it's tough. I'd say between a gin and a page, like a page creature bait, you know, like a, you know, like a rage crawler, something, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that we, we had, we had, you know, previously talked about and just touched base on that real quick is, you know, we were talking about techniques and, and how anglers can improve. You know, my, my suggestion, this is one thing I do and I'm not saying it's right, but one thing that I do is, is every year, every year, I pick a specific technique that maybe I haven't, you know, thrown a lot or, or have used a lot. And I take that technique and I work on it and I work on it and work on it. And that way, um, maybe I, maybe I feel a little bit more comfortable with it. And then that way in certain situations, if, you know, if I, if I do need to use that specific bait or that specific technique, I feel a lot more comfortable. So I just try to find something I'm not comfortable with throwing or, you know, or technique that I'm using. And I, I try to expand on that each year just just to help make myself a little more versatile. I like that idea. I might have to do the same thing. Just, you know, focus on one particular technique and, and master it at the best of my ability and then move on to the next one and just to be a, a better all-around angler out there. Yeah, I think I think that's key. I mean, you know, we, we go out there and you compete. You don't want to compete for, for you know, second place, third. You know, you, you want to win. I mean, don't get me wrong, the second and third is, is nice, but, you know, if you're out there competing, you you want that win. Oh, you always want that trophy. Definitely. Well, Mike, I do appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and sharing some of your knowledge with us. Um, also, thank you for your service. I know you're doing some military work right now. But until till next time, I, I really want to get you back on the podcast. We'll do some more technique-specific type of uh, topics that we can do in, in the near future. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, have a good day. 
All right, sounds good, Mike. I do appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Fishing folks, thanks again for tuning in to another exciting episode of On the Hook Podcast. Uh, thanks again to Brandon Lester and Mike Schnuff for coming on and sharing their knowledge with us all. Um, guys, be sure to like, subscribe on thehookfishing.com, the Fisherman's Journal on social media, our, our Facebook page, on the hook fishing, our Facebook page, on the hook underscore fishing on Instagram. Um, and if you have iTunes, Stitcher, um, iHeartRadio, please go and search for On The Hook Podcast and subscribe. Tell 20 of your closest friends to help us out. We would love for everyone to listen to the podcast and, and hopefully get something from it all. But until next time, guys, tight lines and big fish. <laughs>